0: Hello stranger, are you depressed, are suicide thoughts bothering you, or are you just a little bit crazy and confused? Then you are at the right place. Let me introduce you to the story of my ramshackle mind. Let me tell you in this fifth episode how my life and how it all began. My grandparents had already showed me what I would be worth when I was not yet even born. No sooner had my mother, who was quite young at the time, confessed that she had got herself pregnant by an Italian work colleague than the already gloomy Swabian nightmare darkened. In no time at all, the fun-loving and incredibly good-looking young woman found herself on her way into exile in Munich to the convent St. Gabriel, where unwanted minors were deported and found a loving home. The family shame was removed, although the grandmother was pregnant at the same time and I could have grown up with my aunt. Why they did not support their own daughter will remain a mystery to me forever. A few years before, it was called racial defilement. There was no reason for joy for my mother, because at the end of her journey she found herself in a convent, far away from home and even further from her great love, nuns were to keep an eye on her and many other underage pregnant girls who found a place there to give birth. So under the rule of the Catholic cross in a rigid system typical of the 1960s in Germany, I grew in my mother's womb. In the end. My 3500 grams spread over 51 cm in the early, bitterly cold morning of 19th December 1966 caused the amniotic sac to burst and little Mario saw the light of day. I don't know if my mother didn't think deep down inside that I was responsible for all her misfortune that was to come and of which she had no idea at that time. You could not have blamed her. Had I not developed in her womb, she could have stayed at home. Perhaps she would have run away one day with her great love, Francesco Giovanni Mauro, my father, and established an extended family in safe Italy. I imagine that she hated me for having stolen her life. Only she knows the truth, but what came told me somehow I was never wanted. The older I got, a kind of certainty became clearer to me. Actually, I should ask her, but this is not a conversation you have with your mother. Especially not when the relationship with her is lousy and our phone calls, which we made every four or six weeks, were only due to the fact that she is my mother and that's the way it is done. I regret the coldness of heart that resonates in these words. I wish with all my heart nothing more than to have a mother or a family that sticks together. A mom, a dad, and brothers and sisters for whom nothing can replace the sanctity of the family. Well, just a normal family, a little bit Italian too. But is it possible that the events of those years and the anger I assume towards me prevented a deep love and to this day simply excluded? Any speculation about it, whether from me or a psychologist, will remain what it is. An assumption, a possibility, another viewpoint amongst many. If I asked my mother, there would be a clear answer, no, of course not. You are my son. Even that was just a wish of myself. Because in the meantime, she's not talking to me anymore. Her proud was too big. When things became unpleasant, my mother has always lied. She didn't care whether it was obvious or not. Her reasoning, which I heard many thousands of times during the first 18 years of my life, was always the same. Ah, uh, you know, I want to be left alone. That's how she lived, always anxious to experience a little annoyance as possible. She did not fight, but gave up her whole life. She chose to sit it out and did not realize what a price she was paying for it. Her life is nothing but a big lie. She has learned nothing from it. She has fought for no values herself or me. What I am telling here is speculation. But it is my felt truth that has been confirmed so often. Of course, I am aware of how weak and how unwise my mother was sometimes. She did not know how to help herself. Fear paralyzed her. At no time did she want to leave her comfort zone. Not even when she was pregnant with me. I wonder if you don't have dreams at 15, aren't you obsessed with ideals? Don't you want to do better than your parents? I always had visions and it was not a great skill in this case to fulfill them more positively than the parents had. I set no limits to my daydreams. Thanks God, because those without dreams of the future often have little strength and will to live. I was to experience this bitterly when 48 years later José answered my question, what do you dream of and what do you want to do? I assumed at that time that he was overwhelmed with the question, but no, José truly had no dreams or visions. That connected him with my mother in spirit. She had no goal, no bucket list, and if she did, she wanted only love. I have wished for that as well for as long as I can remember. I did not get it from her. Never. Not a single day. My existence is an eyesore in an Aryan family's wish story. I feel that I was given an unexpressed and accusing responsibility for the shitty life of my mother. Thank God I can't be blamed for that. My baptism wasn't for pas, the name Mario a rebellion, the only one in her life. Still I have to be grateful to her. My heart is Italian and the feelings are as traumatic as the path of life. The thinking is as wild and romantic as my conception. Well. If what I heard is true, my father was a real big shot and shown out with big cars at a young age. But not only that, he was probably the only guy I ever heard of who had a record player in his car. (laughs) What a cool thought. Probably my mother wasn't the only one he laid in the back of the car. Somewhere there was a turntable, which surely put an end to every record with all the rumping around. In any case, I'm not surprised that I got goosebumps and tears in my eyes when listening to ancient, scratched recordings of Italian bards. I used to be the fastest sperm of thousands, cheered on by a record groove, finding its way through every twist and turn into my mum and from there directly into the wintry, freezing cold Munich. To be born in a convent leaves traces. I have always had an existing aversion against crucified people. This is probably because the slap on my naked arse caused the first violent trauma. What was the first thing I saw when I opened my eyes in the convent and blinked uncertainly into my new life on earth? A dead man nailed to a wooden cross covered in blood. And immediately afterwards I saw him again, hanging in silver on the neck of a nun who saw me as the fruit of original sin, rubbed me roughly and slapped me so that I cried. Tears meant that I had to catch my breath Breathe made life possible, ergo, is it pain that makes life? Let me think, a dead man on the cross slaps on a bare arse and suffering that shows itself in the form of tears. A dead person slaps and tears, all of these should regularly determine my path. But first I landed on the naked bosom of a teenager and stared at a golden shamrock with a chain which she had received from my father for her 16th birthday. She gave me the pendant decades later and today I have it in a box ready to find its new here. I already know which pretty neck it should decorate one day. I hope that by then she will be aware of the importance of the gift. Anyway. There I was, crying on the breast of a woman who probably hated me for nine months and now had to accept that I had burst into her life as a bundle of joy. I was probably the prettiest child in the house, I only say Italian record player Amare Even if my dark-skinned looks and the big brown saucer eyes have made many a nun's heart beat with excitement and rapture, my irrevocable existence has not helped to turn an old Nazi into a loving grandfather. Even my grandmother, who was pregnant at the same time as my mother, did not stand by her daughter. There were no women who knew about the value of love and showed solidarity. I was and I still am the bastard to this day and that's how I was always treated by my grandparents. They did not know love. You don't really believe that I ever received a call from my grandmother congratulating me on my birthday? Not a single one. For nine years I didn't know that I had grandparents. In fact, they made sure that my mother had to stay with me in the convent for the first 24 months. Yes, even worse, my mother wasn't of age and so her parents decide on her behalf. Grandma and grandpa were of the opinion that their sinful daughter should stay with the nuns and that a brat would best be put up for adoption. No sooner said than done, and it didn't take long until the gentleman from the youth welfare office showed up to bring me the little dark-skinned child to a family that would almost certainly have had a thing for me. In an adoptive family I would have certainly got what I was denied in my family, love. I wish with all my heart that I had been adopted. You can guess it already, I was not released into a better childhood. According to unconfirmed hearsay, my mother in her desperation attacked the officials with a knife. If the story really is true, I still don't understand why a child is left to a young person who tends to violence. I had to stay and the office obviously didn't give a damn what became of me or under what circumstances I should grow up. The Youth Welfare Department had guardianship until I was 18 years old. I only found out when I received the letter from the office that the guardianship ended on my 18th birthday. 15 years later, I took a look at my file. It stated that all visits to my family to check on the welfare of the child had been extremely positive. When were they here? Did they see me, or was I lying in my room, supposedly sleeping sweetly, beaten black and blue again under my cute sky-blue blanket, which, in a room decorated in cowboy and Indian wallpaper, lovingly watched over me to make sure I didn't make a sound? If I did, there would be a torture pole. We know where rebellion ends, dead on a cross. It's better to keep your mouth shut. In my youth, no one from the authorities ever showed up. Not once, not that I could remember. When I was 18 years old, the home for underage mothers was closed and we were invited to a last get together. Over the years, my mother had received wonderful letters from the mother superior at Easter and Christmas. That is why I insisted that we go there. At first, she did not want to, but finally she agreed. I had hoped that France from back then would come. Unfortunately, that was not the case. These pity and bourgeois time and their conditions are hardly imaginable by today's standards. Who were those women who were there? who was? the Reiner who lay in a grip with me and of whom there is a photo in the small brown photo album that my sister took, who has nothing to do with that time. It was a special day for me. I saw where I was born and there was an experience that leaves me speechless to this day. On the way into the building, my mother noticed that she had forgotten something in the car. She went back to get it. Driven by curiosity, I left for the convent. I remember a rather austere entrance hall and mother superior who appeared before me apparently out of nowhere. I did not know what to say. How do you greet a nun? She stood there without a word, but with a big smile. I reached out my hand to introduce myself. She came before me, laughed and said, such a handsome young man. You are Mario, the son of your dear Marga. Well. That hit home. I still sit there in green. It brings tears to my eyes. (laughs) Then my mother came in and I could see that she was noticeably happy. Nevertheless, a certain restraint dominated the day. You can't blame her for that. After all, the convent management, together with the grandparents, did everything to ensure that she was never allowed to see my father again. The whole day my mother was rather reserved and looked around nervously the whole time. I had hoped that Franz would be there, but she never met anyone. At some point during the extremely emotional speech of the mother superior, she asked me very unexpectedly to stand up in front of everyone. I was with the first children who saw the light of day in these sacred halls. The convent run home lasted 18 years and then times changed and underage mothers were no longer such a shame. When I think about it now, I'm not sure if my mother would have been happy to meet someone from the past. It's possible that there are secrets I'm not supposed to know about. But I do know about them, if they are true. I have always hoped that the rumors were not true and that it was a perverted and infamous lie told by my stepfather because he told them all his life to demonstrate his omnipotence. Thank you so much for listening and please come back next Sunday to hear the next episode. Thanks a lot. Ciao, ciao.